0: Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the My Life Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to talk about these Denver Nuggets. And it's kind of an interesting time, I think, to uh, do do a podcast. I've been uh, taking a little bit of time off, and if you couldn't tell, that the feed has been a little bit dry over the course of these last couple days. But hey, it's the weekend. The Nuggets just won the championship. I ain't mad, and I, I, I don't think anybody else is that mad, too. Um, but now we kind of have to start turning the page really quickly, and there's a lot to discuss, I think. Uh, the Denver Nuggets now are in the midst of their offseason, and we've seen, we've seen a couple things uh, already happen. We've seen a couple of various things uh, go down uh, around the NBA, but also associated with the Nuggets. They actually made a trade that I, I haven't even talked about at all. For this particular team. Uh, so that is very interesting to think about. But I uh, hope everybody's doing well. We are going to do just a little bit of an NBA offseason preview here uh, in the first segment. And then I will get into Bruce Brown staying with the Nuggets in free agency in the second segment, too. But wanted to focus more broadly uh, given the Bradley Beal news that just came out. Uh, uh, Phoenix Suns are now trading for Bradley Beal. That is a big, big deal. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. No, uh That is a big deal. We will get to that in just a little bit. But I do want to focus in more. Okay, we're going to do general offseason stuff for the NBA in the first segment. And then two segments worth of questions. Over the weekend, I asked for questions on the Nuggets offseason and wanted to address as many of them as I could in this podcast, and I think a lot of people will probably be pretty interested in whether Bruce Brown sticks around a free agency or not, so we'll, we'll try to fit it all in here. That is one of the questions, uh, but we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to try to give as much good information on this as possible. Uh, there's, there's a lot to discuss for sure. Um, <laughs> Ryan, I saw the Nuggets and uh, Vegas at my Hackison Club. Very nice. Uh, they were having fun. They were having a great time, and deservedly so. Uh, fortunately, Nuggets fans, I I know a lot of folks want to turn the page, and I know we This is what this is all going to be about. But the Nuggets fans don't necessarily have to. Like you, you still get to bask in the reality that you won the championship. That doesn't just go away. It will never be taken away from you. And that's a great thing about uh, being able to have these discussions and have these conversations. Is now. There's a little bit less pressure, <laughs> definitely a feeling of less pressure on the Nuggets fan base in general. So that's a that's a pretty fun thing for sure. Uh, but let's now discuss uh, this. I think where we have to first go with the general NBA discussion: other teams don't see the Nuggets as a juggernaut; they just don't. And I, I think you I mean, look around the NBA. In this particular season, uh, parody was discussed ad nauseum. There's a lot of discussion about parody and what it means for the league. Is it good for the league? Is it bad for the league? But that didn't just change because the Nuggets rose above the rest and and really proved to themselves to be the best of this group. Denver in a normal season, I think, would have been challenged a little bit more. I think the Bucks had flaws. I think the Celtics had flaws. They were, a, they were two teams that I thought, okay, if Denver runs into those two teams, it's going to be a little bit of a war. And sure, Denver could have won the title, and they probably still would have won the title, if I'm being honest. But I think Denver got a little bit, not lucky is the wrong word, and I don't want to use that. But I do think that in terms of when Denver actually was peaking, when they became the best version of themselves, it came at the perfect time because the rest of the NBA was not ready for it, clearly. And Denver does deserve this ring. There's no doubt in my mind about that. They deserve it more than some other teams that have won these rings in the past. But I do think that there could be opportunities for other teams to really balloon up into other elite teams going forward. And whether that's the Phoenix Suns making this big trade, whether that is Boston starting to get their head out of their ass, uh, Milwaukee, if they decided, hey, we are going to trade – We're not going to bring back Chris Middleton. We're going to trade for somebody else and and pull a big surprise signing. And then you've got said player, Drew Holiday and Giannis. And that that feels a little bit different. That feels a little bit more potent. And so you could come up with a lot of these teams and say, yeah, there there could be some elite teams next year. There, There weren't as many elite teams this year. And that's okay. But just know that other teams don't see the Nuggets as this elite, otherworldly team where they could not beat them even if they tried. That might still end up happening, but it is kind of interesting to think about. Next, we want to talk about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal and Jordan Goodwin, who I, I do want to mention, a decent role player. Not necessarily anybody like special, but when you talk about the Suns and how they're building around a big three now, you have to talk about every single role player and if they could actually fill a role. Jordan Goodwin could. Um, but the real story here is that Bradley Beal is now going to be a member of the Phoenix Suns. He will be their third best player behind Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and a couple second round picks by the sound of it are going out. And Nuggets fans' immediate reaction to this trade, and I'm not going to lie, it was kind of my immediate reaction too, was, ah, it's not a big deal. They were doing a lot of the same stuff. Uh, They were not necessarily the most potent before with their role players, and now their role players are even worse, or they're likely to be even worse. Um, I'm not sure if that's actually true. I do know that Landry Shammett won them a basketball game in the playoffs, so you're trading away a guy like that with the hope that Bradley Beal can win you more than just one, and he might be able to. I think that Bradley Beal's values did definitely lower, and it's been artificially repressed because of the contract that he signed. Uh, But if Phoenix doesn't care about the money and if they're willing to go into this luxury tax apron, second apron level, if they're willing to deal with those consequences, then you have to start thinking about this trade just from the perspective of, okay, what does the team actually look like? You've got Devin Booker. You've got Bradley Beal. You've got Kevin Durant. You've got DeAndre Ayton. And that's where you start. Uh, Those are the only four players under contract right now outside of maybe Jordan Goodwin. Um, And they're probably going to re-sign, I don't know, Josh Akogi, TJ Warren, Terrence Ross, maybe some guys like that. Uh, Maybe they bring back Cam Payne. Maybe they bring back Tory Craig, uh, Jock Landale. They're going to have to re-sign all of these guys if they can. Uh, And if they do, then you start to see, okay, now, now you've got a rotation actually forming. I don't know if they're gonna be able to, like, because they're going over the second apron. I don't know if they're gonna be able to add any MLE guys. And that's really the the big thing here. Bruce Brown was an MLE guy for Denver. He was a guy that they would not have been able to get from outside of the organization if they didn't have access to that exception. That's one of the things that if you cross that second apron line, then you don't have access to that contract. So that's a big deal. That's a big financial chip that they can use, which means to me that I'm not sure that DeAndre Ayton is going to be there. I don't know if that's true. He's making a bunch of money. I think the number was like $35 million or something like that. And if you add his $35 million to the other $50 million contracts, that trio of contracts that they have, uh, actually, I, that might be a little bit aggressive, but it's like three very high contract values with Booker... Beal, and Durant. If you add Aiton into that, then it makes it really difficult for the Suns to do all the things that they want to do on the edges. But if you trade away DeAndre Aiton, it makes you more vulnerable to a guy like Nikola Jokic. So there is a trade-off there. And I think that what the Suns are trying to do here is they're trying to become as unstoppable of an offense as they possibly can so if you are not going to be able to stop Nikola Jokic anyway, then maybe you just trade DeAndre Ayton. You try to turn him into a couple role players, maybe a, a lesser center if you can, and see if you can find out a way to uh, like bolster your rotation in that regard. That's the thinking. That's the logic behind this deal. Chris Paul obviously got hurt in Game 2. Wasn't a big deal for their team. Um, Landry Shama, he made a big he had a big game four performance, but outside of that, wasn't really a big factor against the Nuggets in any of those games. So you turn a couple guys like that into Bradley Beal, who is capable of averaging 30 points a night. Like, objectively, I think this is going to make the Suns a better team. Uh, will they have enough to be able to get over Denver? I don't know, because I think that that's the way that they're building it against Denver is kind of fundamentally flawed. Because Denver's always going to be able to score on them no matter what. No matter who they have out there, Denver's going to be able to get buckets. Against, like, the Suns can pretty much outscore just about anybody else. But I'm not sure if they can outscore Denver. And so that's why Nuggets fans are super excited about the idea of of this rematch. I'm not sure if I would go that far, but I guess we're, we're just going to have to find out. There's going to be some very interesting ramifications for this. And I am super curious as to see how they fill out the rest of their team. Like, Can they bring in outside players? Are they just going to do vet minimums? Uh, Can they gain access to that taxpayer MLE? Uh, The only way that they probably can do that is if they trade Aiton. I don't know. We're going to find out. We are definitely going to find out. But this is one of those things where you go back to it. Like Denver's not an unstoppable juggernaut. They are not like completely unbeatable. Maybe if the Suns just make themselves as good as they possibly can, then their hope is that, okay, some other team might be able to take down the Nuggets. Or if they just like are unstoppable offensively themselves, then it turns into a six or seven-game series again. And maybe they win that this time. I don't expect them to, but we'll see. A couple other things here. Uh, there will be more power-shifting moves. There will be more teams that try to reach this level, that try to get to where Denver's at. And it's because they don't see Denver as this unstoppable force. Like you could see a lot of other teams try to raise the bar. I'm not sure that Memphis has the ability to do that, but they're going to lose uh, John Morant for 25 games, the first 25 games of the year. Maybe they decide, we need another good ball handler. We're going to trade for X. And they they wouldn't have done that before, but now they have an opportunity as a competitor to be able to do that. We're going to try it. Uh, maybe they, uh, maybe it's not Phoenix. Maybe it's Sacramento. Maybe they make a surprise move and go get like OG Ananobi and add him to their core. That would be very interesting. Uh, maybe it's some other team. Like it, it, the Lakers are always going to be a threat. The Clippers will always be a threat. I think the Clippers rumored to be trying to trade for Chris Paul here. Whether they actually get him or not remains to be seen. But I do think that that's one of those one of those moves that maybe not as effective against Denver but it could help them against pretty much everybody else. So going to be fascinated to see what these moves end up being. Uh, Bradley Beal, though, was the first domino. That was definitely one where I can see it sparking other things. But because of various rules that are now popping up in the new CBA, all of these teams are going to be trying to make these moves as soon as possible. Like they're not going to wait until the next CBA, which kicks in on July 1st, in order to get this done. So today is June 18th when I'm recording this. It would not surprise me if Denver, uh, if if, if Nuggets fans are looking up and they're saying, crap, there have been three major trades that have added either stars or elite role players to Western Conference contenders as all of these teams try to load up. I don't know if it's going to work or not. Denver's got the continuity and chemistry factor that's always going to be at their backs. Uh, but we're going to see. We're we're going to have a lot of fun here. Players and teams to watch from my perspective. Damian Lillard is the first one. You got to understand, like Dame is going to be. He's going to be a very interesting piece going forward because I, I think that he would prefer to stay with the Blazers. Obviously, he's made that very very clear. Uh, but can they actually get a deal done for some of these other teams? Uh, I'm sure that. Damian Lillard was like, it would be a, it would have been nice to have Bradley Beal next to me. It would have been nice to have a guy like that to run the team next to me. And like that, that might have been helpful. It might have not. But there's there's a lot of pressure on Dame right now. And if they draft another guy with their third overall pick, then that's gonna be I, I think a, a problem for Dame. Uh or it might not be. Maybe, maybe he maybe he's fine. Maybe he's fine with it, and then Portland is just a Competent lottery team like they have been. So, if they do trade the third overall pick, though, then look out for a bunch of teams that that could potentially need that. Like, I'm not saying Kristaps Porzingis gets you all the way there, but I think Kristaps Porzingis is an upgrade over Yusuf Nurkic. If you're if you're the Blazers, that's the that's one that I would think about. Next is Golden State. Golden State, they have a lot of questions on their team. Obviously, probably not the best thing to just run it back purely and they probably are a little bit too, uh, financially bound to just purely run it back. I can't see a scenario. Like Draymond green is a free agent. I think clay Thompson is one more year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could be, I could be wrong about that though. Steph Curry is still in his prime or, or very close to it. He's a top five player in the league. Very clearly. Um, they're going to want to do right by him. They're not just going to sit idly by and, and see, hey, can this can this team get it done? Because you can't just blame it all on the young guys and you can't just blame it all on the vets. Like the entire roster, I think, needs some sort of shift. So wouldn't surprise me if they decide, yeah, we're going to trade some of our young guys and, and try to get better uh, in the starting lineup or with the with the second unit. Or uh, they decide, yeah, we're gonna let Draymond walk. And then that would be It'll be a very, very interesting move. Uh, Just where does Draymond Green go at that point? So lots of stuff to worry about with Golden State. Next is the Clippers. Uh, They're always liable to do stuff. They have had four full years of pretty disappointing basketball with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Those guys are probably not going to be going anywhere still, but it would not surprise me if they say, yeah, we need to get better. We're going to try to make an upgrade here. And Chris Paul's been a name that's mentioned. Whether that does enough or not remains to be seen, but I know Nuggets fans are like, okay, cool, Chris Paul is now on the Clippers, not the biggest deal. Now it might be I, I actually think if Visa Zubach is really good as a Jokic defender, or at least as good as you can be, and then you add Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Chris Paul to that, along with maybe Terrence Mann and guys like some some guys on the margins, then that's a pretty good team. The problem is that they need to stay healthy. And they that's like you're, you're really going to trust Chris Paul, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard to stay healthy? That seems pretty shaky. Uh, then Zion Williamson and Kyrie Irving are the last two. Uh, what do you do with Zion if you're the Pelicans? I assume that they want to keep him. Uh, but they also have been rumored to try to get up into the top three of the draft. I assume that they would like to get better. They can't be in a great—like, they're not in a great situation right now. But they've got a lot of pieces where they can get better. So is Zion going to be somebody that they anchor themselves to, or are they going to say, "Yeah, we would rather capitalize on his trade value right now, even though he doesn't have a lot," and decide, "Yeah, we are going to." Let's say they send Zion to Portland. Let's say they say, "Like they're going to put, they're going to get the third overall pick in that scenario, along with somebody like Anthony Simons." And is that going to be? ideal in terms of value? No. But then you combine the third overall pick, or whoever they draft there, with the other gaggle of picks that they have from previous deals that they made, and you start to realize, okay, New Orleans, around Brandon Ingram, like um, whoever they get next to Brandon Ingram, because I, I don't think that can be CJ McCollum as the number two, uh, but whoever they get next to Brandon Ingram, like, maybe that's a team that you have to watch out for in the future. I don't think that's true. I don't think that that's what it would end up being, but it is at least interesting to think about. Uh, And then the last one is Kyrie Irving. Does he go to the Lakers? Does he stay in Dallas? What does he do? Uh, He's still a very talented player and extremely volatile. Like, that would be somebody that I'm watching for sure over the course of these next couple days and next couple weeks. Whether he decides to go or not, like, I don't think that really changes Denver's fate. But if you do. See him go to the Lakers, then maybe they become such an unstoppable offense that you actually have to manage that. You actually have to worry about that. We're going to see. We're going to find out. Uh, Before now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the Denver Nuggets offseason mailbag, including the question on the top Will Bruce Brown stay with the Denver Nuggets? I am as curious as everybody else. But first, everybody bring that big bet energy this summer with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports betting, and right now you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to 250 bucks with that first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will absolutely get you uh, their first bet bonus. They'll match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Simply visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions, or, or download the Superbook app right now and use the promo code MILEHIGH. Uh, get it in the app stores, go online, doesn't matter. Use that promo code and you'll get 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook. Everybody, gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love. Uh, on the betting front, I forgot to tell. you, I mean, I I cashed my my Denver Nuggets championship bet. Uh, that was pretty cool. It's uh, it was I think plus fifteen hundred odds. So not like the best odds that you probably could have gotten over the course of this last season, but felt pretty good about that one. That was that was nice. So gonna turn that into a nice uh, nice cabin trip. I think that, I think we've got that planned. Uh, friend of the show, Ava, is definitely. She's, she's got that all locked up. I'm very excited about the offseason. Like, I know everybody is doing that as well. But all of us Nuggets folks, uh, we are tired. We are we are very, very tired. But is what it is. Going to get some uh, good stuff here. All right. Let's do this. Uh, I asked for questions on uh, the weekend. I think it was Friday when when I did it. I, Out of respect to the title team, this is what I try to do. Uh When there is a gap between talking about the previous season and talking about the next season, I try to give at least a little bit of a window and like a dead period in terms of, hey, let's talk about that when we need to talk about it, not before, uh, not during the the previous year. Uh, Part of that was difficult last year when you're talking about, okay, Murray, Porter, like you you have to be able to articulate what those guys are going to look like going forward. Uh, So, Got to be able to do some of that stuff, but I remember having to wait until after the first round, and then I, I waited a little bit after that, too. But now we get to talk about it. Now we've we've had basically a full week, or pretty close to it, of non-basketball stuff uh, going down. Uh, got to do the parade, got to celebrate, got the weekend. Now we get to talk about the next season. Now we get to talk about all the stuff that's coming up, because the NBA draft is on freaking Thursday, <laughs> like it's Sunday night right now, so we've got 96 hours until the NBA draft. And I got to tell you, I have no idea what they're going to do. Figurative asks, what do you think the Nuggets draft plan, uh, draft night plan is? Bro, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more digging. I'm going to do a little bit more research. Uh, but I got my guy C.T. Fazio. If he's listening in the chat, then have him pipe up. Uh, C.T. Fazio is going to come on the show on Tuesday, uh, probably afternoon, I think, late afternoon, and we are going to preview the draft. Should be a lot of fun. I'm going to talk about everything with C.T., and we should have a good time with that. He is very plugged into the draft coverage, so that should be very, very cool. Also, while I'm on shows, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., we are doing Den Ventures, the last Den Ventures of this 2023 season. Uh, so make sure to tune in for that one. That will be at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And then the next one with CT is uh, is Tuesday afternoon. So that's the plan. That's the plan for these next couple episodes. Should be very cool. Um, I'm going to hit on this one comment. Uh, Chase Summer says, Nuggets going after Jaime Haquez Jr., that would be great. My brother is a UCLA alum, so he is very familiar with Jaime. I got to watch him during the tournaments and things like that. Would be a good veteran to have. Would be very fine uh, with, with Jaime Hacquez. Uh Good uh, ball handler for sure. All right. Well, let's do that. Omar says, uh, do you think they traded to the first? I just wanted to include this because I'm not sure. Denver did make a trade, and we have to talk about that a little bit. They traded with OKC during the finals. I haven't actually really articulated that, but basically what they've done is they've acquired the 37th pick as well as a protected 2024 first round pick for a 2029 uh, first round pick to the OKC Thunder. Uh, Denver's is going to be probably top five protected. That would be my guess. This Thunder pick that they're probably getting next year is a bad pick. It'll probably be in the 20s would be my guess, but They're going to get a a draft pick, and they already have a 2024 draft pick. So Denver's going to have two first-round picks, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on in 2024. I could be wrong about that, but I thought that they did. So should be interesting. But was a really good draft pick when they made it. But now in this draft, the 2023 draft, they have the 37th pick and the 40th pick. They don't have their first. That was sent out to get R.J. Hampton, who was then sent out to get Aaron Gordon. So. A good reason to not have a 2023 first-round pick, I must say. Uh, But I do think that they will likely—I don't think that they trade into the first. Like I don't think that that makes sense if I'm Calvin. If I'm Calvin, I am drafting two guys at 37 and at 40. I'm drafting maybe one that could go abroad, uh, that doesn't have to play on the roster. But I'm definitely drafting somebody in that range that kind of drops— has a, a cheaper second round contract. I don't think trading up to 30 or, or anywhere close to that makes that much sense in this case. Uh, but you never know. Like Calvin, we, we don't have enough data on him. We don't have enough of a sample size on, on what his preferences are in these draft rooms to say for sure. Uh, what I will say is that if Denver does get a good deal, they'll take it. Like they'll, they'll trade up for sure. But I don't see any reason why they should trade up too terribly far. I gotta imagine that if you are, uh, like if you are the Nuggets, you're probably just okay taking somebody at 37 and somebody at 40. That would be my guess. And as Daniel Fenning says, I trust Calvin Booth. That is a perfectly reasonable stance to say, and that is what I will be doing as well. Uh, Nuggets fans should trust Calvin. All right, here we go. Bo asks, if Bruce Brown opts out, what's the most likely avenue we have for the Nuggets keeping him long-term? Here's where we get to talk about Bruce Brown. Bruce is in a really precarious situation with Denver specifically. I think for Bruce, it is a good situation. He proved over the course of this run that he is a bona fide sixth man starter type, somebody who is a perfect role player to have for a championship-caliber team. Uh, even a playoff-caliber team. He's going to... Add some points uh, based off of hustle. He's going to be a good defensive communicator. He is going to be somebody who has a a versatile enough skill set on the offensive end that he can do a bunch of different things. And I think if you're an NBA fan, you watch Bruce Brown ball out in the playoffs and in the finals, and you're like, I'd like that guy. That would be cool. Um, It was kind of like Gary Payton II from last year uh, with with the Golden State Warriors, where he stepped up and played a major role. I think that Bruce was even better, if I'm being honest. Just just what he was doing with Denver was so, so important. So I think other teams are gonna be after Bruce. They're gonna be requesting him. Whether he actually gets the money that he's looking for or not, I don't know. I think that the the things that I'm looking at with this, there aren't too many teams that can offer cap space. Like you've got their your lottery teams, like your Charlotte's, your San Antonio's, your Houstons. Uh, Indiana could create some space. Orlando could create some space. You've got some teams like that that are at the bottom that I'm not sure that Bruce would be super happy being there, but they're the teams that could offer him money. Uh, You've got the teams that are kind of playoff teams that aren't fully capped out and taxed out that could offer them the MLE, the full MLE, the non taxpayer MLE. And what that says to me is okay, that's about 12 to 13 million annually. So that's around a four year, $50 million contract if you are those teams. Uh, the cap space teams could probably offer him as much as $60 million, $70 million in, the, in that general range over four years. And that's all guaranteed money. And then you've got the Nuggets, who don't really have the avenue to offer that. They have the ability to offer him a one year deal, uh, just if, they, if, they, if he declines, like Bo is talking about here. If he opts out, then they could sign him to a one-year deal, just one, and then what that would involve is getting the early bird rights for him. That is what it's called. And the early bird rights would allow Denver to pay him more next season. The problem is that they can't pay him more this season, which is when he has earned the money, it's the likelihood that he actually like he wants to capitalize on his best season of his career. Because this was clearly the best season of his career where he showed the most. So if I'm a Nuggets fan, I am hoping and praying that what we were able to do, what the Nuggets were able to do, not not me, uh, what the Nuggets were able to do with Bruce stands out and stands up on over the top of guaranteed money. Do I think that that's actually going to happen? No, I, I don't. I think that Bruce will be, he'd be putting too much to chance, in my opinion. If he had a deal that was upwards of 50 million, 60 million in that general range, because only like Denver can only offer him like 7.5 million dollars next year. That's about the money. And so if you've got 7.5 million of guaranteed money versus 50 million of guaranteed money, that's really scary. What happens? If a, an athlete like Bruce Brown, somebody who takes advantage of his athleticism, his leaping ability, what happens if he tears his ACL? Is Denver going to honor whatever like agreement that they come to that says, hey, we're going to give you a one-year deal. And then because you did that, we're going to give you the full four-year deal that we can offer next offseason. It puts them in a really tough position and it puts Bruce into a really tough position where he has to hope that Denver offers him and that they keep true to their word, not necessarily that they actually will. So if I'm Bruce, I'm taking the money because it's such a vast difference that that's probably what that's probably what's going to happen. But that is the way that Denver can do it if they are going to retain Bruce. He opts out, one. He signs for a, a marginal increase for one year, two. And then they do a handshake agreement that says hey we're going to give you this full four year deal which is worth about 50 million that would be the that would be the amount of money that they could probably pay and it might be a little bit more in the next cba as well so maybe it gets up to 55 million or something like that but the point being is that he would have to delay his payday if he wanted denver to be the team that paid him and i'm not sure if that's going to happen i just i can't sit here and say that i actually think that that's a good idea Um, but we're going to see, we are going to see, um, I'm seeing some comments here about trading MPJ. There is another avenue that Denver could do. Like if they wanted to trade MPJ and take back very little money, then what they would actually do there is they would basically put Bruce into the, the contract spot. And it wouldn't quite be like that full contract spot, but that would be Denver trying to get out from under the tax apron. And that would allow them to pay the full MLE as opposed to the taxpayer MLE. Now, in order to get out from under MPJ's contract, they would have to trade that 2024 first round pick that they just acquired and not take back any salary, which means you're probably sending out other pick capital as well. Or maybe you're sending out a full player and you're like, hey, we can't really send you out a full player, but here's Peyton Watson. Like, that's... I'm not sure that that's the right avenue as well. I think that MPJ is the exact right player that Denver should keep. Uh, despite the fact that he has a big contract, he's going to get better. Like there's, there's just zero doubt in my mind that all of this experience is going to get him into a better place. Uh, and, that, and that's going to really help him. So we're going to see what actually happens, but I don't think the trading MPJ is actually going to satisfy uh, what, what Bruce is getting. like. I would prefer retaining MPJ and replacing Bruce Brown than bringing back Bruce Brown and finding a way to replace MPJ. It's just different. And it's way less costly to do the former rather than the latter. So we're going to see what happens, but that that would be my my point here. All right. Got a bunch of questions here. So I'm going to go rapid fire through some of these, and then we'll take a break and do rapid fire through some more. Uh, Carbon Peanut asks, which vets from this year do you expect to see back? Uh, Obviously, Bruce is one that I don't expect to see back. He's one of the vets. KCP is under contract. I think what you're talking about is Jeff, DeAndre, and Ish. I don't know. I don't know if those guys are going to retire. I don't know if those guys want to continue playing basketball. I think Denver will wait around and see what their preferences are. I think that Denver's going to try to keep that's on their roster so that they can always have players that they can reference that they can go to for advice for veteran savvy and experience because it clearly worked clearly a good idea and credit to Calvin Booth for having the foresight on that. Um, I do think that that's a good thing and I can't speak for which of those guys would want to come back. It, it really is just going to come back come up to whether they want to stick around or whether they want to play whether they want to go through the process again. Jeff could still play, Like there's no doubt about that. DeAndre, he showed up and had a nice game in game five, uh, didn't necessarily have a, a major role, but he could definitely play as a reserve center for sure, like somebody who steps up in various moments. Whether he wants to do that or not, I don't know. Like It's just up to him. So I'll have to, I'll have to get back to you on that, uh, but we're going to see. We are going to see for sure. Uh, but I do think that if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I would say that Jeff and DeAndre are both back and issues gone. That would be my guess. So we will see. We'll see whether it actually happens or not, but that would be, uh, I think that would be a good thing for Denver. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Thomas Bryant also, not necessarily a vet, but he is a free agent. I don't expect him back, but you never know. Like Maybe the choice is between Thomas Bryant and DeAndre Jordan. Maybe Thomas Bryant is somebody they feel like can give them more playing time. As he continues to get better and gets older within the league. Uh, so, something to think about there. Uh, Jeff Green, they also have a couple ready made replacements in Flacco Chanchar, Peyton Watson, Zeke Nagy, guys like that that they could play. Uh, so, we will see what it looks like there. Trey's asks Is it realistic that Pewak could be in the playoff rotation next year? Uh, realistic is probably not the right word, possible is definitely true. Like, possible that he could be there. If Christian Brown was in the rotation this year, Peyton Watson could absolutely be in the rotation. Here's why I don't think it happens, though. I think that Christian Brown has enough weaknesses as a ball handler that you're probably thinking, okay, who is another guy that you trust to handle the ball off that second unit? I think Jamal obviously staggers with that second unit when you're talking about... uh, the non-Jokic minutes, which is really what I'm referencing here. But one of the things that Bruce really brought this last season, and during the playoffs especially, was a secondary ball handler that could take the pressure off of Jamal in various sets. That's not really what Christian Brown does. Although if I were Denver, I would ask Christian Brown, hey man, how would you feel about running point guard for our team in summer league next year? And then trying to get as many reps that way as possible. Because if he could do that and then turn himself into a, a reasonable ball handler, decision-maker, distributor, then that would be a little bit different. And I'd be like, okay, b could definitely be in the rotation. I know Peyton Watson does some ball handling himself. He does some playmaking, distributing for sure. He's still so raw and still trying to figure stuff out. So is it realistic? Probably not. But is it realistic that he gets regular season rotation time next year? Absolutely. like He strikes me as a guy that makes plenty of sense that if Denver's trying to expand their rotation, if they're trying to have guys that hustle during the regular season that are trying to prove themselves, that are trying to get better and, and see what they can provide for a playoff situation, Peyton is a great candidate there. Whether he actually plays in the playoffs, I don't know. Joker World, he asked, or, or she, do you think Zeke and Flacco can play playoff minutes next year? Very similar, obviously. They could have played playoff minutes this year. I feel pretty comfortable with saying that. Jeff wasn't necessarily the best option for Denver. He was the right option for what they thought, for what they were hoping for. I am okay that they decided to go with Jeff because it clearly worked out and that was perfectly fine. I do think that Zeke and Vlaco could have played. I think there were situations where Zeke might have been better. I think there were situations where Vlacco might have been better. Uh, but... When you don't play for that long, it's really hard to go back to guys because you just you lose that rhythm, and you, it's hard to get that back. So Jeff made it work. He was very, very good. Denver didn't have to change too much, and because of that, that was perfectly reasonable. But if that player was Vlatko, then Denver probably would have been okay. If that player was Zeke, Denver probably would have been okay. Might have been a little bit different, but they would have been fine. So my my. Stance on that is that they could have played this year. So, of course, they could play next year. Whether they're both back or not, I don't really know. I I don't know. Um, Daniel, the reason why I was talking about Christian Brown playing point guard uh, was not necessarily for the reason that, like, hey, I actually see him playing point guard. Uh, what I see is like, hey, you need to be able to handle the pick and roll. Like, you need to be able to handle uh, the ball handling. Like, that would be... That's the big thing about Denver, is that they had options. They could go to different lineups. They could go and like KCP could run a DHO with Nikola. And that, that was something that they could always go to if they needed to. And that's something that he proved over the course of a season. Christian Brown's next level of development as a player is to be able to handle some sort of ball handling. Because if he can't, then he becomes very limited. Uh, Right now, he has one of the lowest usage rates of anybody on the team. And there's just not a ton that he really does from an offensive perspective. So he can't just be an occasional cutter, spot-up guy, offensive rebounder. He has to be able to do more, especially if he wants to grow in this league. So that's why I say I think that that's for his development and it's for the Nuggets' development as well. Because if he wants to be one of the top six guys next year, top seven guys next year, he has to be better than what he was this year. I, I really do believe that. And it's not even because like it's it's that different. It's because if Bruce is gone, then there's a void there that Denver's going to have to fill with somebody else. So we will just see. Um, Daniel, I'm talking about summer league. I'm not talking about actual basketball. <laughs> like Summer league is an opportunity for development. It is not an opportunity for like uh, – I'm not being serious when I'm talking about that. I'm more talking about, hey – Secondary ball handler, this is development. Like Summer league is for the development time. All right. Let's keep it moving. Um, Quiggs. Quiggs asks, if we do need to replace Bruce Brown in free agency, would you prioritize replacing his defense or his backup point guard duties? Kind of along the lines of this discussion, I think Denver can find the defense with Christian Brown, with Peyton Watson, with Zeke Naji. even. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to find the ball handler. So Maybe that's Reggie Jackson. He's another veteran that I forgot to really talk about, but he could come back. Like, There's there's no reason why he couldn't. Uh, maybe maybe he's a guy that Denver brings back for the minimum, and they're like, cool, you're going to run the backup point guard. Do I think that that's the right call? No. I think I think there are better players that they could get, but I think that's still a reasonable thing for them to add would be just a standard backup point guard, somebody who could run the offense, somebody who stabilizes them, especially during the regular season. Because when the playoffs roll around, you're probably going to get bigger anyway. Said backup point guard is probably not going to play a ton, and you're going with guys like Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji. Your big wings, your big forwards, guys like that. Next, Elguero Rancho is Jeff's replacement on the team already. If not, who do we target? Um, this will be the last one before we take a break. I think that I think that Jeff's replacement is already on the roster. If I'm being honest, I think that they could go with any of Peyton Watson, Zeke, Najee, Vlako, Janchar, and be okay, especially during the regular season. And then in the playoffs, it's all about matchups, and I, I think that Denver was lucky that they got into a, a standard eight-man rotation, basically, and were like, hey, these eight guys are going to play. Maybe one of them doesn't play on on occasion, but mostly it's just going to be these eight guys. We are going to go with Bruce Brown, Christopher Brown, Jeff Green. Could that have been Bruce Brown, Christopher Brown, Zeke, Najee? Yeah. Could it have been Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson? Sure. Uh, We're going to have to figure out what it actually looks like, but I think that Denver could find that replacement. Uh, I would not be going full bore trying to bring back everybody. And honestly, it doesn't even have to be a Jeff replacement. Jeff might just come back, and he might just play. So do I think that Denver wants to count on that fully? No, but I do think that it's possible. So we will see. Uh, But for now, let's take one more break. When we come back, we are going to discuss more questions on the offseason. I'm going to share some uh, share some names that I'm that I'm thinking about from an offseason perspective. But first, this message from Sandy and Sean. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Make sure to give us a like if you're in the chat. I see we've got over 100 people in here. Thank you so much for hopping in on a Sunday. Happy Father's Day, by the way, to everybody. Um, I was out with my dad, uh, my brother, my mom. We were, were doing a family outing and playing some disc golf. That was a lot of fun. Um, I, I definitely want to try to get outside much more during this offseason. During previous off seasons, especially with COVID, I did not get out enough. So this would be the perfect perfect opportunity to just get out get away take a little bit of a mental break that's the that's the right call but happy father's day to everybody and happy father's day to my dad thank you so much all right let's keep going with questions here frank asks or frank uh, he has thoughts on possibility of getting lonnie walker or josh richardson and if they would fit Uh, i like where frank's mind's at i think that josh richardson is a guy that makes a lot of sense Like Maybe not necessarily Lonnie Walker, but I can understand why he said Lonnie Walker. I think that Josh Richardson is a great idea. Because here's here's the great thing about Josh Richardson. He hasn't really found a home in a lot of situations because they've asked him to do too much on the offensive end in a lot of ways. Whether that's, hey, you have to be a great floor spacer here. It's not quite a great floor spacer. Or you have to be the point guard for the team. It doesn't have to be the point guard the Nuggets. You have to be the perfect defender. He doesn't have to be the ace defender for the Nuggets. He could be the jack of all trades. I see Josh Richardson as a jack of all trades kind of player. And if he were willing to sign for that taxpayer MLE or something similar, then I think that he would be a great fit. Uh, That's that's one that I've got my eye on for sure. I think he's 6'5", 6'6". Definitely not a guy that you're thinking, okay, we really have to get him off the floor so we can get more size on the court. No, like he's he's a guy that if you switch everything, if you decide you want to switch one through five, he can handle that, and, and he he's a smart player too. So that's somebody that I'm thinking about. If if I'm the Nuggets, I am contacting Josh Richardson, Lonnie Walker, a little bit different, kind of a space to get space cadet on the defensive end, learning a little bit, but we will just have to see. Uh, and by the way, let me just reference this: Josh Richardson is a is a fail safe in case Bruce Brown does not come back for the same money. I would prefer to have Bruce Brown. Let me be clear. But I do think that Josh Richardson makes a lot of sense in terms of, hey, you want to add somebody that that makes sense for the roster? Perfect option. Perfect option for sure. Uh, and like I said, Lonnie Walker, probably not the right fit. A little bit too streaky and, and not enough defense. I think Denver should be trying to continue to add defensive guys. Don't go with offensive guys. Aronov Emmanuel asks, DeLon Wright will be a great pickup before the Monte TPE expires. And I wanted to include this one because DeLon Wright would be great. I'm pretty sure he has a two-year contract, so he's not quite under contract. Oh, you're, you're talking about TPE. Uh, yeah, DeLon Wright makes a lot of sense. He is making, if I'm not mistaken, about $8 million. Um, let me just go down to his contract here. $8.19 million. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. He would fit into that TPE. But I want to include this for that reason. Hey, traded player exception. I haven't even thought about it. I haven't thought about it before now because I'm thinking more about uh, just what the Nuggets have to have happen um, from the, like, for, for this last year. But now that you say it, Denver doesn't have a lot of avenues to get better. And they don't have a lot of avenues to add more people. So it's mostly about retaining but if they were to make a trade for somebody, maybe that makes sense. The problem is that they don't have a lot of draft capital to be able to do that. So maybe they decide, hey, that 2024 first round pick, we could send that out with this trade player exception and take back some guy for some amount of money. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But I will try to come up with a better list of trade targets going forward. So not the last you've heard about trade targets, that's for sure, but should be interesting to think about nonetheless. Glenn Rudman, he asks, or he says, Dante DiVincenzo, Corey Joseph, Torrey Craig, Dennis Smith, Dennis uh, Schroeder, still a plus defender. He would be a great backup for the minimum. Glenn's right. Uh, This is like the great thing about where Denver's at is you can actually see a lot of these guys kind of working out. A lot of these guys could be in the right situation. Like Dante DiVincenzo, fantastic for the Warriors this last year. It didn't work out for the Warriors, but when I'm watching the Warriors, I am watching a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, and I see him as definitely not the issue. Like he's, he's the one stepping up next to Steph Curry and doing what he can in, in that situation. So I would be very, very happy if it was somebody like DiVincenzo. Now, if it was Corey Joseph, probably a vet men guy. Torrey Craig, probably a vet men guy. I, I don't think I'd pay T, TPM elite for, for Torrey Craig. Dennis Smith, minimum guy. Dennis Schroeder, probably a minimum guy. Probably wouldn't say uh, for full more than that, and especially like I don't want to use Denver's one avenue outside of uh, actually free agency avenue outs uh, for for a guy that is under six foot two. Like just just doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, would Dante DiVincenzo fit that bill? Absolutely, he'd be a great nugget. And I could see that based off of the fit that he had with Golden State, which is a very similar offense, just in terms of the passing and cutting and orbiting around various players. So would be very, very interesting, and, and I'd, I'd be down. Will he make more money than that, or will he want to stay in Golden State? Maybe. So just have to play that by ear. A Flame in the Void asks, who is this year's Bruce Brown? Namely, a young player looking for a one-year deal to boost value. This is where Ryan didn't do enough homework before the podcast and look at the free agents uh, that that are actually popping up here. But when I think about that, I think about Gabe Vincent, although he probably has made enough money for himself. Um, Let's look at some of the other guys that have not really stood up uh, and stood out before. Um, Paul Reed is a guy that makes some sense for Philly. He's been a a good role man for them, somebody who could really help out. He would make a lot of sense. Ayo Desumer is a, is a restricted free agent on an early bird. Uh, he would be interesting for from Chicago. Just a, a young guy who hasn't really been able to blossom fully. Uh, there are some other guys that also qualify like that. Uh, mostly, like if we're looking at kind of the second round pick types, um, Delano Banton for Toronto. Big way, or big kind of guard, not necessarily the best shooter or, or skill guy, but would be somebody who could fit into a defensive-minded rotation. Uh, Jock Landau also kind of makes some sense, although he he got some good playoff shine this last year. Uh, would be very interesting on kind of a, hey, one-year prove-it deal. You could definitely make more money after this. But uh, if we're looking for a little bit higher profile players, Nas Reed would make some sense. I doubt that he leaves uh, Actually, he's an a unrestricted free agent, so he could go wherever he wants. So maybe the money for backup centers doesn't really pan out. And Nas Reed is like, you know what? I would like to go back up Nikola Jokic for a year. I would like to be in that position and maybe play next to him on occasion. It's like, cool, Nas Reed, you'd be great. Uh, I'm not, I don't remember what his injury was. Was it a broken bone? Was it a torn ligament? Was it something like that? I don't, I don't remember what the season ending injury was for him, but if he was available, if he was healthy, then that would be a great addition to any team. But especially to Denver, where backup center has been a, a pretty big issue over the course of many years. So should be interesting. Um there's a lot of people talk about an OG Ananobi trade. No, it's not happening. OG Ananobi is not available for anything. Toronto's not trading him to Denver. That's just not happening. I am sorry, but we will see. Like, I, I just, I think that Toronto's probably going to hold on to OG Ananobi because he is too valuable to them and too valuable as a, as a player archetype in order to actually, uh, in order to actually do that. So I don't think that it's actually going to happen, guys. I th- it's very wishful thinking for sure. Um, but like, I don't think that Toronto would want MPJ. Sorry. Um, Daniel Fanning also asks, or he says, I was listening to something and they mentioned Alec Burks. Uh, I know you tried to type Alec Burks, but yeah, Alec Burks would be interesting. Alec Burks would be fascinating. Uh, also, oh, Papi Chula also says uh, Yuta Watanabe. I, I heard about Yuta. He would be a very interesting one probably didn't get enough money but he's he's a good defensive player and also big like he's a six foot eight six foot nine forward type not really he did shoot well from the corners this last year but and also a Brooklyn guy so maybe maybe Bruce is like Yuda come here come here Yuda and we could we could absolutely uh, make that work that's that's where the good connections make a lot of sense so it'll be interesting to see if they could make that work couple more here before we get out. Jaden says, I might be the only one, but give me Russ. Just have him play amazing defense and let everyone else do the offense. Uh, If the Clippers decide that they want Chris Paul as opposed to Russell Westbrook and Russ is looking for his seventh team in six years or something like that, could it be Denver? I don't know. Like, does it make a lot of sense to, like, I'd rather have him fill the Reggie Jackson role where he's not necessarily playing every night, but could play if Denver needed him to. He is too high profile and probably would not want that kind of role. Uh, but you have to be willing to not play him if you're Michael Malone. And I just don't know if Russ is a guy that would be willing to not play. Like, he, he wouldn't start. There's per- like That would be pretty clearly a thing if he were to come to Denver. But could he be a six-man? Could he replace Bruce in that regard? Maybe. Um, when he's locked in on the defensive end, when he's really trying, he could be a very big difference maker. That, that was very clear in the playoff run. Like, not playoff run, but like these playoffs where he was facing off against the Clippers, or against the Suns, excuse me, and actually made a lot of impact. So do I think that it makes sense? I don't know. He's not the guy that I would hitch my wagon to because I think that there are other players that are just better for what Denver needs. But is he a high-ceiling guy that Denver could take a chance on if things worked out? Sure. Yeah. Now, he'd have to be willing to cut. He'd have to be willing to do all of the things that Denver would need him to do. And I think he'd be willing to do it. But he's also, I don't know if he's that level of cerebral player that is versatile enough to be able to handle different things. He's played the same style for pretty much his entire career. So I, I don't know if that's going to work, but it would be interesting to think about. That's for sure. Nev uh, says, things I never thought I'd say. Bring DJ back. Any word on Kamigate coming over? Uh, first of all, I think that DJ coming back, I'd be happy with it. If he's a 15th man, 14th man, perfectly reasonable. Nothing nothing bad there. Um, definitely nothing, nothing wrong with DJ coming back. I'm kind of surprised by, by that for sure. But his vibes have been great all season. Great leader. Somebody who the team respects for sure. And that's important to have. So I don't think that Kamigate is coming over. I think Harrison Wind got it first, that he is going to stay overseas this year. And I trust Harrison's reporting. So they could always change their minds. The Nuggets could and decide to bring over Kamigate. But I don't think that he's ready quite yet. And I don't think that the Nuggets think uh, that they need to bring him over. So if you have DJ as your third center, maybe they add somebody else. Maybe they decide, yeah, Zeke, we're going to go back to you. Uh, maybe that's something, but I'm okay with bringing back DJ. That would be perfectly reasonable. Two more here, and big ones. Uh, the NBA Chicken, who I have not read your draft thing yet, but I will. Uh, that, that is coming. I know that uh, you're probably hanging around, so uh, shout out to the NBA Chicken. He does some great stuff. Uh, my taxpayer MLE targets, Schroeder, Javon Carter, Torrey Craig, Patrick Beverly, Terrence Davis, and then Westbrook or CP3 if they want a ring chase. Trade targets, uh, T.J. McConnell, Nick Richards, Ricky Rubio, P.J. Dozier, Chris Dunn. Interesting names. uh, Definitely an interesting list here from the NBA Chicken. Make sure to read over that again. uh, On that list, I think that Javon Carter makes a lot of sense. He is a little bit shorter. There's no doubt about that. But if Denver's looking for an on-ball player, he would definitely fit. Um, They would have to have somebody that can shoot as well. And I think Javon Carter does fit that mold. Uh, Torrey Craig. Would be fine. Not necessarily my favorite. I, I do think that he can like that. There's no doubt that he could do it, but I'm not sure if that's the right guy for them. Schroeder would be okay. Patrick Beverly would be interesting. Probably not as good anymore as he would need to be. He's also kind of annoying, so I'm not, I'm not sure I'd want that. And then Terrence Davis for reasons that are not really basketball related. I really wouldn't want on the team, but uh, he's he's fine. He's okay. Definitely. Like, a, he's, a, he's a decent player. Would be would be perfectly reasonable. Uh, but CP3 is the one that I want to visit. I if, if for some reason the thing with the Clippers doesn't work out, then it would be very interesting to see CP3 kind of be like, hey, I'd be okay with taking a six-man role. That would be cool. He wouldn't start in Denver. He wouldn't have the biggest role. He would probably play 20 to 25 minutes. That would be my guess. But if he wanted to, Denver had it like, they would be a great place for CP3 he could fit into what the Nuggets are trying to run. Not necessarily from a uh, off-ball cutting kind of standpoint, but in terms of directing the offense and running something while Jokic is off the floor. There are very few players I'd want to do that more than CP3. And that's that's pretty high praise. So if he could do that, that would be great. Also, CP3 and Jamal Murray coming off the bench together. Like, Jamal Murray staggering with the second unit is what I mean. That would be great. And CP3 would set up Michael Porter. So very interesting things for sure there um trade targets Ricky Rubio would be cool Chris Dunn would be cool TJ McConnell I think is staying with um I think he would be staying with Indiana for sure just doesn't like that would be something that he's always going to do uh, but TJ McConnell would be would be pretty interesting in terms of kind of your faku replacement but I like actually good uh, that would be that would make some sense. Nick Richards, big center. Uh, not surprised that he's on your list, NBA chicken. I think that he would make some sense for sure. Uh, but Ricky Rubio, PJ Dozier, Chris Dunn, we'll see. Chris Dunn, obviously, probably the best defender there. Uh, though PJ could give him a run for his money. Uh I think that the Nuggets would always love to have PJ Dozier back. Definitely not an issue if they brought him back. Like he would be great. And last one here couple more names. Mason Plumley would be my top target with the MLE. Drummond would be my second choice. Pat Bev or Kobe White uh, would be my top choices if we wanted to go after a guard instead with the MLE. Uh, this is from Andrew Um, uh, Mason would be a good reunion to have a center that actually makes sense, that could pass the ball. Not necessarily doing a ton Um not necessarily doing a ton with Nicola on the floor as well, but if they want to kind of reprise his role in a similar way, then great. Uh, I kind of like the idea of Drummond a little bit better, just because he'd soak up a lot of offensive rebounding opportunities, be a good screen setter, can make some passes. And also, like one of the great things that Drummond does, he's got great defensive hands. He's got great defensive, not, not feet, but he's got great defensive hands. He, along with Nicola, are two of the players at the center position that have great steal numbers, great great defensive numbers there. So Drummond would be interesting on that front. He seems to me like a guy that could could definitely benefit in a system like this where you, you simplify things a little bit for him, but like 16 minutes of Andre Drummond every game, 15 to 16, and just decide, hey, you've got a good run here. We're going to keep you fresh and we're going to keep you. That That makes sense to me. Would I prioritize it over adding a Bruce Brown replacement at that position? No. Uh, But do I think it could be something that they try? Absolutely. So, very interesting to see. Very interesting to see what they do. Uh, But I think that's going to do it. Uh, Gone for over an hour here. Done a lot of conversation on all of this stuff. So, thank you for hopping in with me on this one. But, folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends, Over at Superbook Sports, thank you so much for all of the comments, for all of the energy. Really appreciate it. Uh, We will do more of these. I plan on having a good conversation with uh, Jake Coyne, Bronco Squatch. Uh, That would be like, I'd love to get him back onto the show. If you hear from him, if you're listening and and commenting on his stuff on Twitter, make sure to go (laughs) send him my direction because... I think that we could we could definitely have a, a good conversation about the free agency stuff as well. But should be cool. I will be back tomorrow with the Denvengers. And then I will be on Tuesday with CT Fazia. Man of the people. Uh, Get back into full swing on Nuggets Offseason Talk. Should be great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the support on the podcast. As always, I will talk to you guys very soon.